Business Podcast. I'm business writer, broadcaster and podcaster, Mickey Clark, busy boy. And <laughs> you're lucky you're busy being a freelance. <laughs> Don't knock it. Uh, I'm small business journalist Liz Barclay. We both are freelance. And of course, I think maybe we're both wondering whether Chancellor has done anything for our ilk. Um, but more importantly, has he done enough to save jobs, small businesses, freelance workers uh, with the new job support scheme, with the extensions of loans and the self-employed income support? We'll be talking about the detail with Sam Harrison, who runs the Riverside Restaurant in Hammersmith, and Anthony Jordan, who runs Tamara Events, and with the Director of Policy at the Institute of Directors, Dr Roger Baker. Uh, and about the impact, the restrictions on our going out and the rule of six. So we'll be talking about all of that. But Mickey, is it just me or do you think closing pubs and restaurants at 10 will control the virus? Um, interested in that. I think Ricky, Rishi Shunak will be all right when he gets kicked out of the House of Commons because he won't need to worry about Goldman Sachs. He can get a job with the Magic Circle. Now you sit, now you don't. I mean, he's, he's got it all going. But yeah, the 10pm thing, when it came out, it, it took me back to the days of World War One and Lloyd George, when they brought in licensing laws to stop people getting drunk so they went to work to build the munitions the next day. And that's the sort of thing is. I don't really see what impact it's going to have, apart from on the youngsters who, who want to keep drinking till 1, 2 o'clock in the morning. But for a lot of people, it doesn't, it doesn't imply. I'm going home as they're coming out. So it's interesting. Yeah, but it's certainly going to have an impact on people like Sam running restaurants and people running it bars. It's... Because the whole thing has been a juggling programme of juggling your income coming through the front door with the cost you have to spend to service the business. And at the moment, the amount of money coming through is contracting, but the costs are going up. And, you know, you sometimes wonder if MPs or government ministers have ever run a business. Well, I suspect that most of them haven't. Um, and we'll, we'll hear from our business owners and we'll hear from uh, the IOD, the Institute of Directors. Um, you can find us on LinkedIn and Twitter if you'd like to comment. And we're on uh, email at contactus at backinbusiness.org.uk. Um, Mickey, that was the first time I realised you were around in World War One. Um, our director, <laughs> <laughs> director of public affairs, policy and communications, Simon McVicker, is with us. Yes. Oh, Simon, <laughs> go go for it. <laughs> well, I mean, where do you start, really? Um, uh, the, the the shutdown or the semi shutdown we we've been um, reintroduced with this week, as you know, means that all bars, restaurants, uh, have to close at ten. The staff have to wear masks. It's uh, service. Uh, you can't go to the bar anymore. It's all service, and uh, that that's come in from yesterday, I think. Um, they're also uh, telling people to work from home again literally three weeks after telling everybody they need to get into the office so well given uh, the given the uh, number of problems we've all had this morning with our broadband yeah exactly <laughs> um, that's not that easy yeah but as I, I went out last week simon yeah. after i had trouble with broadband yeah and i needed a drink so i went to a pub in the local town 
and they slung me out because there wasn't enough room. You can't stand at the bar anymore. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I ended up outside yeah. over the road, <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, yeah. what's all this about? Yeah. I'm not going to be doing this every week. Yeah. You know, if it's cold, I'm, I just won't bother coming out. Yeah, and, and also, uh, anecdotally, somebody told me this morning that the tubes at 10 p.m. last night were jammed packed with people coming home. So, you know, you, you solve it over there, but over here, you're just creating a new problem. Uh, the other thing that, uh, that seems to be happening is that this rule of six in England um, is being tightened up in Scotland. And it means that in Scotland, you could only have your own family. You can't have other families or other people visit. And it looks as if the English, uh, the British government is going to head that direction as well. So we're, we're in a situation where they've uh, introduced a set of measures which most people don't think are going to work. So they're going to have to tighten this up uh, if they continue in this line of trying to stop the virus. Um, but these are here for six months and uh, it's going to really dampen the enthusiasm in the economy over the next six months. So yesterday we had uh, the Chancellor Rishi delivering a whole... Uh, uh, bite of measures to t uh, to try and keep uh, employment at a sustainable level, and uh, he uh, he he brought in a, a new scheme called the job uh, retention scheme, which is a job support scheme, which is based on the German uh, Kurt Arbeiter scheme, and I mean this is in Germany a scheme that has been very successful in keeping viable jobs in the economy, and uh, so I don't think we should poo-poo it, uh, but what, what he's basically saying is that if you work 33% of your normal hours, the government are going to subsidise up to 25%. And What's a viable job though, Simon? I mean, Well, I, I think I you have to work 33% of normal hours. That is the definition. But if, if, if we're not fighting COVID anymore, we're fighting government regulations. Well, that's what's closing businesses down. The problem is, I think that there are a lot of not viable jobs in the economy, and the Chancellery is determined that the government's not so going to subsidise those. So why didn't they bring in those. something about training? Well, I, I, that, and we've said this in our press release, there was no mention of training in the statement yesterday at all, uh, and that was very disappointing. Um, but let's get back to the measures. The measures are he is going to subsidise part-time work up to 25%, basically. Now, this is good, but it's not as generous as Germany. Germany is doing nearly 70%, and they're extending it by two years. So we're only having an extension uh, with this scheme for six months. Uh, and there's a lot of uh, people in the newspapers this morning pouring a lot of doubt on whether this will successfully keep unemployment down. But Simon, also, it, Simon yeah. it's not it's not as uh, generous as the furlough scheme that's gone before it, or that it's replacing it. Nothing like it. Yeah, but the furlough scheme, which uh, to be fair, has cost the government sixty billion pounds, could not go on forever. I mean, no, but you, you know, you've now got you've got a scattergun approach with this new regime, where you can take every company in, providing they've seen a drop in turnover, but with a furlough scheme, you could actually adjust it and target industries which are suffering because of the lockdown and the measures. This isn't going to do that. Well, and, you, you can't well, expect... You know, companies are not laying, keeping people on. They will take the easy route and lay them off. Well, if the, if the jobs are not real yet, they will be laid off, 
Sure. I, I mean, we are, I don't think as a country we can afford to pay 60 billion again for a furlough scheme. Well, no one can. Uh, you know, because ultimately we'll all have to pay for it in some way or other in the next couple of months. And, you know, that means business as well. And, you know, so I think we have to be realistic here. Uh, the furlough scheme in, uh, sorry, the Kurt Verarbeiter scheme in Germany is only costing at the moment about 15 billion euros in comparison to what we've spent. So, you know, I think I think the government has to take tough decisions at this stage. Uh, but whether it keeps unemployment down because it, it, it isn't as generous as the Germans, I'm a bit worried about that. Also, uh, for the self-employed, there's little new. I mean, he's extended the the SEIS scheme, but um, as we know, that left out an awful lot of uh, contractors and freelance people um, the first time round, and there's nothing in, in his statement yet to help these at, at all. Uh, he's keeping on back loan and um, the, the coronavirus interruption loan scheme. And he's also uh, talked about a pay-as-you-grow, um, which allows you to borrow and pay back over a 10-year period rather than, uh, I think, what was before, six months. So those are the sort of schemes that he was talking about yesterday. Um, I am not an economist, but uh, my feeling is they are maybe not big enough to save the economy from what's coming. Simon, um, you may not be an economist, but you are a public affairs person. Mm. <laughs> so thank you very much indeed for uh, rounding that up for us. Let's bring in Dr. Roger Barker, who is the Director of Policy at the Institute of Directors. Um, you're also a member of the European Economic and Social Committee and a former investment banker. So uh, money is your thing, uh, Roger, but What's your take on what the Chancellor said yesterday? What did he What did he get right? I th the things he got right, I think, related to the debt, you know, allowing companies a longer period of time to pay back that debt, because I think that would have been a real um, obstacle to recovery, you know, companies trying to struggling with, with large debt repayments. But where I think he's taking a real risk is with this job support scheme. Um, I think the... The hint as to what this is, is in the title. You know, the previous scheme was called the job retention scheme. This is called the job support scheme. So this is going to be much less about retaining jobs. It's actually going to be more about subsidising jobs which would have gone on anyway. Um, so he's, he's taking a real chance um, because I think undoubtedly there are, there's still going to be a big wave of redundancies uh, going forward. This, this scheme doesn't really offer companies an incentive to keep on staff no, if they were thinking about removing them. Yeah. And it's, it's, it all revolves around this word viable, viable jobs. Yeah. Who's going to say mm -hmm. what's a viable job when if you're depriving a business of income, yeah. it isn't viable. Of course it's not viable, but it's not the business's fault. And who's to say it wouldn't be a viable business in normal circumstances? Yes, that's a very good point. I think, you know, in normal circumstances, we fully accept some businesses do well, some do less well. The ones that don't do well fail. They go out of business. And that's a kind of natural process of, of a market economy. But this is not a normal situation. There's a lot of 
inherently viable businesses that in this, these extraordinary circumstances are faced with failure. And that, I think, is the risk that the Chancellor's taking here. He's kind of introducing this, this kind of normal market pressures into the situation. And it may be too soon to do that. That It may still be important to keep companies going, just as he has done in the previous months. Um, because ultimately, the public finances are going to do best if we have a recovering economy. If the con economy now collapses due to mass unemployment and all, all the other associated problems, that's not going to do the public finances any good. So, so you know, he do made this judgment. Hmm. Do you think he's bowed to political pressure from the likes of the Treasury who have said you keep on this? It's going to cost us too much. You need to reduce it. And that's exactly what he's done. But yeah. he's presented a picture of actually, we're supporting you still. We're still out there yeah. helping you. Exactly. When in fact, he's probably yeah. not. That's exactly right. He, you know, politically, they they were under huge pressure to announce a successor to the job retention scheme. So they had to come up with something. They couldn't just say, "Oh, you're going to fall off a cliff here at the end of October." But the Treasury is absolutely making its influence felt, and it is. I think it's kind of losing its nerve a bit. I mean, we, we've gone over. True, we've gone over um, the national debt, public debt of 100% of GDP. You know, which is a place we haven't been for many, many decades. But these, I think these are extraordinary circumstances and the, the other arguments about maintaining business and, and just keeping them going so that business can drive the recovery, I, I think that that should have been a stronger argument. Uh, Roger, can I just interrupt and uh, just say, the, the job support scheme, um, we've seen something similar operate in Germany very successfully. Surely the problem with the Chancellor's scheme is it's not generous enough. The government's not. Yep. The government is only supporting twenty-five percent in Germany. I think they're supporting nearly seventy percent. Uh, yes, and that's where the failure is in this. Yeah, I mean, if you if you look at this, so you know, the, suppose an employee is brought back to work thirty-three percent of the time. Now, the employer will actually pay fifty-five percent of their normal wages. So, so more than they would pay if they just hired someone off the street to work for 33% of the time. And then it tops up 22%. So the employee ends up getting about 77%, something like that. But it's, you know, it's not providing the employer really with an incentive to keep on that person. They're having to actually pay more than they would outside the scheme. Mm. And you can see why the government, like the Treasury likes this, because previously the government were paying 80% of, of you know when when the furlough scheme started 80% of people's wages now they're only going to be paying 22% so it's obviously a lot cheaper but you know you've got to accept what the consequences of that could be mm. but interesting um, comment interesting comments this morning Liz from the boss of next i think uh, Lord Wilson who, who's actually said that jobs in the retail sector have been destroyed um, because of this this covid-19 and the regulations and he says those jobs will be lost for good because people have now switched to shopping online. Yeah. But that was a problem before COVID-19. And if we were to talk about all the industries that need support because of it, we go immediately to leisure, hospitality, aviation, travel. Absolutely. Um, and there doesn't seem to have been much to uh, really make them feel optimistic this morning. And we'll come on and talk to that about that in a minute. But the other thing, Roger, that I wanted to ask you about was um, the freelancers, the people who missed out yeah. six months ago, seem to me to have been thrown under the bus again. There wasn't anything they, in there for them specifically. They have, you know, and we've been plugging away about this ever since the start of the pandemic. I mean, we're basically talking about two million people. You know, if you, there's about six million people in the UK who are self-employed, and about two million 
are, uh, receive most of their income through dividend income, you know, through a, through a limited company. And it's, you know, it's the choice of whether to be a pure sort of sole trader or to do your self-employment through a limited company, you know, that can be often be just very random. And you may actually be required actually to, to operate as a limited company by your clients, you know, they, they may insist upon it. And they have just completely lost out that these people operating through through dividends and uh, we've tried to persuade the treasury that they should develop some kind of scheme they say to us well it's very difficult to distinguish between dividends that are income in the sense of pay and dividends which are investment income um, but there, there's been an underlying sort of reluctance on their behalf i have felt for them to to actually engage with this issue that's this what i felt we're snickering. smiling <laughs> Yeah, because we've both been down that route. We're both suffering the consequences of it. Well, um, we won't, I mean, We better not say for whom we were. No, no, by, no, by no, whom we were yeah. persuaded <laughs> to set up limited companies uh, right. because we might never work for them again. again no. <laughs> so the, the, the obvious conclusion from that, Roger, is that the Treasury doesn't actually like small companies and limited companies because it fills their tax dodgers. I think you're absolutely right, and uh, there's still mutterings that you're he that we're hearing that the Treasury is is thinking of moving ahead with reforms to to equalise in inverted commas in its own eyes the tax treatment of of the self-employed, particularly people with limited companies and the employed. Um, but of course, that that isn't correct. That isn't right. I mean, you pay okay, you pay seven and a half percent tax on your dividend income, but that is after you've paid nineteen percent corporation tax in in the company itself um, and so you know you compare that with the basic rate of income tax which is which is 20 percent i mean i don't it, it seems to me and especially you know in the recent years when we've been encouraging the gig economy and flexibility and all the rest of it i just don't understand this kind of almost you know i hesitate to use the word vendetta that the treasury has against against certain parts of the self-employed it almost seems to me as if there's, it's part of our culture that we see small businesses and self-employed people as being less effective uh, for the economy when actually they are the backbone of the economy and we're constantly arguing that they need support because they, are the, they will take the risks, they will innovate and they will create the jobs. But there's nothing yep. in the Chancellor's statement yesterday that would make me feel that I was being encouraged to create jobs. Yeah, absolutely. And I do worry that the financial circumstances of large versus small companies is starting to widen again. Um, you know, large companies on the whole, they've been able to tap capital markets. They've been able to raise equity. They've been able to tap into the Bank of England's uh, funding support scheme. So, so their balance sheets have been reasonably repaired. I mean, I realise there are some companies in particular sectors where, where they've been very badly hit. But on the whole, larger companies seem to be doing OK. The real question, though, I think is over the smaller companies, you know, because these are, you know, these are the companies that, that have been saddled now with a lot of debt and they are inherently much more fragile but the, than larger companies. So I, I really worry for them. It's, it's also interesting that less than two weeks ago, the Chancellor let it be known in the Sunday press that he was considering not extending the furlough scheme, but bringing incentives to make it cheaper to employ people, i.e. perhaps reduce VAT, reduce um, rates, business rates, mm. um, and, and also national insurance. There was none of that in that speech, no. and and yet the TUC and the CBI both brought in to endorse it. 
I, yeah, I, I, have to, I have to say, Mick, I found that quite amazing, actually, seeing seeing uh, those two leaders on, on the steps of number 11 Downing Street. I just uh, that that's what initially, I suppose, partly misled a lot of people about what was going to be offered in these schemes, because it seemed to have the buy in of both capital and labour, so to speak. Um, but then when you read the detail, you wondered, wondered why. Um, but Simon, you you said to me earlier on this week that you think this may not be the only statement made as the autumn goes on. No, I, I think that, that we may have a series of statements from the Chancellor. Uh, and it may well be that he revisits this uh, furlough, uh, this new scheme. But um, uh, I, I've, I was hearing that, that, that people are expecting him to make three or four statements this, this side of Christmas. The budget will be in the financial year, so it'll be March probably. So we, well, what we want is... Uh, sorry, Mickey, I was just going to say what we want them to do, therefore, is to address the uh, incentives for businesses to take on employees mm. and to address the, yes. the training well, that he left. I mean, off. My feeling is this was a bit of a rush statement because uh, the Prime Minister got clobbered in the House of Commons on Tuesday for not having an economic package ready. And then suddenly Richie's in the House of Commons, you know, proposing these measures. Well, how can they have a budget, an autumn budget, to talk about next year when they don't even know what's going to happen next week? Exactly. <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> let's, let's bring in Sam and Anthony, who've been sitting there alternatively nodding and shaking their heads. Uh, <laughs> Sam, Sam Harrison runs the Riverside Restaurant in Hammersmith in London, and Anthony Jordan runs Tamara Events, Tamara Events Designers. Um, a lot of the stuff that's been said already obviously resonates with you too, uh, Sam. You're grappling with the 10 o'clock shutdown as from last night because we're recording on Friday, even if you're not listening till later on in the week. Um, uh, and it seems to me that um, any any benefit you might have had from the Chancellor's statement had already been taken away from you by the fact you had to close at 10 o'clock. Absolutely, Liz. And listen, I, I think Mickey nailed it uh, earlier when he said, listen, small businesses like mine, it's simple. It's cash in and cash out. And every day since reopening post lockdown has been a battle to survive. We've been restricted on the volume of people we can have inside already. And so we've all adapted our businesses so that we can survive. I have a team of 40 staff who we found a way to keep them all employed. But I'll give you an example. The 10 o'clock closure, which, which I think is utterly ridiculous and I cannot see how it helps anything. But tonight I had 100 people booked. I'm down to 70. Virtually all of my 8.30 and 9 o'clock reservations have cancelled, ju just like that. And last night was obviously the first night, but I had to present people with their bills while they're finishing their main courses. You know, people were. Oh, bet you were popular. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's. it's like there's it there's a romantic night out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How is your chicken? Here's your bill. Um, <laughs> and listen, people were kind of joking and funny about it, but but actually, it's not only that we've lost those tables who are we're managing to fit in, uh, and not having desserts. They're not ordering the the second bottle of wine. And our overheads are exactly the same. And I could argue that actually, I think our overheads will increase because based on last night, it's such a rush to try and get everybody looked after. I might actually need to put an extra chef on and an extra manager 
because we had 60 people all trying to pay at the same time. Costs then up we and had come 60, down. Yeah. Then we had 60 people standing outside. They couldn't get Ubers. And, you know, I've already heard stories uh, from the West End. Apparently, it was an absolute joke in the West End. You know, the whole of the West End all piling out onto the pavements at the same time. It just it and, and the most ridiculous thing to me is a well managed restaurant is a much safer environment than people going to each other's homes. Um, in, in my opinion, I, I, I did hear quite a lot of noise on the street after 10 o'clock last night, and I was thinking uh, most of our neighbors' houses were filling up with people spilling out of the pubs. And does that the, was you. And does the, I was in bed, <laughs> I tell you. And most, most of the... I can't stay asleep beyond 10 o'clock these... Awake no, beyond 10 o'clock these feeling. nights. <laughs> Anthony, though, it's affected you in different ways because you're running... You're designing events. Um, yeah. And I, I think weddings are... A, a, must be a complete <laughs> but, nightmare but it, for you. It's... Oh, it, it's such a reversal and we feel like we're back at March. It feels like a complete lockdown again in terms of event management, um, event decorating because things started to pick up. We started to get phone calls from one of our hotels because they had weddings and they promised us, you know, each week there's someone interested and whatnot. And then things just turned up again that the numbers just took such a decrease that the cancellations just started to come out again. Um, we were doing birthday parties and stuff in parks because you can go up to 30 people. Now you're, it's illegal to be more than six if it's not a wedding or a funeral. Uh, yeah. So you, you're just in that point of, we even had one person, it was a memorial for her father, but she wanted to do it on her, her dad's birthday. That would have been this weekend. She had to push it forward within because of Boris's announcement, literally like, guys, can you do it tomorrow? I'm going to do it tomorrow because it's, it's the only time I'm, I'm going to be able to honour my father. And these are the sort of situations that you've got. And then it's just phone calls of cancellations again. You're getting in contact with hotels who are now co contacting you because they don't want to actually do social events anymore. They're just keeping it to meetings and education. So any form, whether it's you, you've got it on two sides, you've either got the client who's given up or you've got the venue who is now given up because they can't host it. And we're just in a position of it's really dire, actually, to be honest with you. It, it's really challenging at the moment. Um, as there are people who say, well, so what does it matter? Just cancel it. But, you know, I've got an Asian friend who was saying, look, I would normally have 350 people at an Asian wedding. It would last three days. We don't want to have to cut the, the, the list down because these are friends. These are really important people to us. And actually, we aren't going to live together until we get married. And, you know, and this is holding up people's lives. And it just seems so sad to me and I think we must you know there must be a lot of people struggling with anxiety for all sorts of it reasons around about all of this you get a lot of clients who just are unsure for instance well I was actually meant to be a best man in August that was long gone out of the window so now my 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 best friend's looking to get married in December there is no ceremony to that then there's another wedding a client that we've got that's New Year's Eve we don't even know what's going to happen there because this is over for six months, the numbers, and they, it just makes it very difficult for a couple to plan because they're never sure what's going to change from what isn't. So it's, do you send invites in? You get all family and friends phoning you like, what are you going to do? Which just increases their anxiety, which then gets them calling you and you're trying to console them as best possible. And it's really difficult. And again, bringing up the Christmas side of things and New Year's Eve, because of the six months, that's one of our biggest periods just completely out the window. And again, who's going to celebrate? That was... That was a question I wanted to know from Sam as well. Your Christmas bookings must be falling off a cliff too. 
Uh, well, Christmas ain't happening, is it? Uh, no, I mean, it's, um, yeah, I mean, of course, December is a key month for the restaurant industry, but uh, hospitality industry, you know, you, that's when you make money. It's, it's, it's not going to happen, is it? Um, and it's certainly not going to happen if people have to be, you know, kicked out at 10 o'clock. Um, so listen, it, it, I, I think it's unnecessary. It, it is doom and gloom, but you know, we're trying to be as positive and upbeat as we can, because, you know, what else can you do? Um, but for small bit, you know, and going on to Rishi's new scheme, I mean, for small businesses like mine, you know, I'm battling to keep 40 people employed. These further restrictions are going to reduce the hours and the ability I have to keep those 40 people employed, um, you know, in, in, in a safe environment. It, it just cannot make sense. Well, it doesn't make sense to me. And Anthony, from, a, from the Chancellor's point of view, do you have a viable business? <laughs> As you guys said oh, earlier, that's, that's what it boils down to. That's it's a true, brutal no, question. But well, I know, it's but a that's question, what it boils down to. It's the question I was sitting there asking myself because I was like, well, to a bride and groom, yes, I was. But considering they can't get married, there is no, you know, what was the viability behind it? And then, okay, someone who would hire me for New Year's Eve, am I doing their balloon explosions at 10 o'clock because midnight doesn't happen anymore? It's just all <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't even thought of that. <laughs> I hadn't thought of that. <laughs> it's literally just put us in such a position. As, as Sam said, you do keep smiling, you do what you can, and you try to be as positive as you can, but it, it's, it's a really difficult one to look at in the future. Well, there's a title for the, the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Roger, you were trying to come in. Uh... Yes. I, I just think, what is lacking at the moment in terms of what government announces is the kind of link up with the new public health measures that they announce and the financial support, economic support side of things. They just seem to be operating on, along separate tracks. So, you know, if you're saying to a particular sector, you know, you can't open after 10 o'clock, we're going to put a major obstacle in the way of your business. What is the kind of matching and compensating financial measure which, which is going to assist companies that are suffering from that? So that I, I don't see that kind of policy making going on. Well, it's really interesting because we've been saying, you know, this is a, a dilemma. How do you get the balance right? But in actual fact, you're saying, look, come on, there should be two parallel sets of thinking here. and They should dovetail somehow or other. Yeah, they should. They should even be announced together. I mean, you know, the, the, that just so that the two things are actually proceeding in tandem. You know, they're really they're so interlinked, you know, the health and the economic side of things. They, they shouldn't really be thought of separately. A bit of a carrot and stick approach. You know, if you're going to get hit by the stick, you need a carrot to, to sweeten things up a bit. And that's not happening. Yep. No, I mean, the whole isn't. thing is The whole thing is decoupled, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And you almost have the feeling that there are kind of warring factions within the government itself, you know, with different perspectives. You know, there's the there's the health um, apostles and then there are the economic apostles in the Treasury, you know, and there's, somehow we need to have joined up government. Go on, Sam. I was just going to say, and, and also, again, I can only speak for my own business, but, you know, I have my staff now saying to me, you know, because they're, they're not fools, saying this new scheme doesn't work for us because, you know, I can only afford to pay to have people here working in the business. I can't afford to be contributing for them to be sitting at home. I'm, I'm too small a business for that. 
So I, I either need them here working, and we were, we were making that work and finding enough work for my 40 staff. I've now lost revenue, so I'm going to have to cut back to survive. But the ski, I can't afford to be contributing for them to be at home. So I, I, I totally agree. There's no match-up here. You know, I am, I'm going to have less revenue, therefore less hours, but I'm not getting any assistance. Do, do you think, Sam, that the measures you brought out yesterday were targeted more at the bigger companies in this country, which would be the wrong 100%. ethos? Because, you know, it's the small companies, the individuals that employ people. I think it's about 80% of people are employed by SMEs and, and smaller companies, family businesses. I couldn't agree more, Mickey. It's, I mean, and I listen. The, the, the original furlough scheme kept us all going, um, but a lot of small businesses like me, apart from the furlough scheme, we didn't get any of the bounce back loans. No government assistance, uh, no help from council, no rate relief, um, and, and I think a lot of small businesses uh, are just falling through the cracks here. Um, you know, I, I was predicting pre these regulations that um, by Christmas, 30% of restaurants in London would have closed. I, I, I stick to that and I think it could even be higher. Um, I, I, think, I, I think we've got a very tough winter ahead. And what about the um, events sector, Anthony? There must be an awful lot of people closing down. It, yeah, yeah, we've had a few. Uh, it, it's just really difficult. It, it's just so many people that you know, and there were some that were quite reputable that um, shocked me, to be honest. They were, they were doing teaching classes, they had their florist shop, and they're just gone because the business just isn't there. And we're quite lucky that we have enough of a team that are quite diverse in forms of decor, so probably different ways. But now that the numbers have come down to what they are, it's it's... It, it just puts you in a position that people just don't want to celebrate in that nature. Even the fact that they are looking at where you have to walk into a restaurant or any venue with your face mask on in terms of thinking of what a wedding picture looks like. It's, you know, what you required to do, what can you do? What can't you do? Then this rule of six, you can't join two groups of six to make it bigger. How do your wedding picture? These are questions that you're forever trying to figure out. Are you breaking the rules by going forward in it? It's just, it's a major challenge. The part that bugs me, bugs me is, it's not that they haven't been told, and I, I know there is no complete answer to satisfy everyone by the government, but you know, it's been brought up time and time again, how bad hospitality is being affected. And to just do an overall summarization of, okay, this is what we're doing. It could have just helped that, maybe you hadn't considered it at the time of furlough, but this has been brought up time and time again, aviation, hospitality, theater, it should have, there should have been some kind of exception or some kind of rule, even if you had the same thing that you could have said, well, look, we're paying 22% to this industry. Others, we will do X amount just to provide that form of support. But then again, saying support, it's all good supporting me, but I don't have any jobs going on for me to hire my staff to be available. Uh, uh, something that clicked yes. when you uh, were talking about florists, etc. Are you still getting your supplies through where you do have jobs that you need? <sighs> To be honest, um, our floristry has been really minimal. There's a few bits that's gone between it. Luckily, we do balloon decor as well. And that's, that's been our main bit. It's mainly been kids' birthday parties and just like balloon walls and stuff like that. The occasional few flowers and stuff, but it's not, it's paled in comparison. So we've been able to get the supplies that we needed. Sometimes clients have gone for artificial flowers just to make it work. But it's, it's just been a complete change. It's been a complete change. Sam, what about you? Well, yeah, of course, this has a massive knock-on effect on all of our suppliers. And, you know, there's a whole chain, isn't there? You know, um, uh, my butcher was telling me, I mean, poor turkey farmers this year. I mean, I, 
I say that with a sort of smile, but I don't, I don't, I, don't, I mean, it, you know, that, that's pretty brutal, isn't it? Um, I, I lived and worked for four years um, in Cornwall when I, when I, um, sort of 20 years ago, and I, and I reconnected with the business. I worked Rick Stein's business, who I worked with down there, and, and they were telling me, you know, the knock-on effect on the local fishermen, you know, so a restaurant like mine dropping by 30% capacity and, and, you know, has a massive knock-on effect on the small suppliers, um, you know, and, and your example of florists, I, I can't afford the amount of fresh flowers that we were having before. Um, you know, everybody suffers from this. Um, and, and I totally ag agree about this. It's, it's this blanket thing of this 10 o'clock curfew and treating hospitality all as one. It, it just, to me, it seems senseless. And I, mean, I saw on social media that there's that the I, I don't know if it's true. Apparently, the government are already thinking of withdrafting with it. But I mean, that would be quite some turnaround. Oh, um, Roger, what? Uh, you know, you they must don't have do been. Don't do that, do they? You must have been thinking <laughs> no. about this. What's the wider impact on small businesses and the economy as a whole? Well, you know, for me, the the kind of crunch point um, for the economy, just as we now move through this this crisis, has been firstly rising unemployment and secondly a, a potential debt mountain faced faced by smaller companies. To me, there they are the two potential huge obstacles to, to a kind of business-led recovery. Um, on the on the unemployment side of things, I, I'm afraid I you know I have to be somewhat pessimistic after having heard this announcement yesterday because I just I'm just not persuaded that it's going to stem a big wave of redundancies coming forward. On the debt side of things, I would be a bit more positive. You know, the, the steps that the, the Chancellor announced yesterday to extend, you know, repayment, for example, of bounce back loans from from six years to 10 years uh, and also to allow a kind of staged repayment of deferred VAT, which was another uh, another measure he announced. Those are more positive things, I think, on, on, on the debt side of things. But it's really how is the economy going to cope with much higher unemployment. And then on top of that, of course, I suppose in terms of public health, we just don't know how that's going to go now, do we? Because we could be, this may not, as we said, I think at the beginning, this, this these current public health me measures may just be a stepping stone um, towards moving towards the way things are in Scotland or, or maybe even worse. So that makes life very uncertain, I think. But another factor for me, uh, well, a couple of other factors that I'm beginning to hear of, uh, small businesses saying, we're having a really tough time borrowing. We'd like to keep our staff on. We'd like to try to grow the business. We'd like to take up opportunities. But there's a credit crunch here in the system somewhere, especially from the alternative lenders who are saying, well, actually, we can't get the money to lend you. And then there's also rents. What do we, what yep. do, we do about rents? Yes. Some good news yesterday, actually, in terms of rents. So there's been a suspension on um, landlords, for example, enforcing things like statutory demands and um, and winding up petitions, if you know, for, for non-payers of, of rent, that suspension has been extended out um, to, to, to into next year. 
So that, of course, is possible. Although, of course, let's not forget, you know, landlords and and creditors, they are small business people, too. You know, that they're, they're it's a huge problem that no one's paying commercial rents at the moment. That's that's putting a lot of these uh, landlord, corporate landlords out of business. Um, but, you know, the, the, yeah, you're right. I mean, I think what there was one little thing which did worry me yesterday. The idea has been lobbying for an extension of something else that, to to remove the liability of directors if they carry on trading for too long. It's an offence called wrongful trading and that, that had been suspended and we were saying you need to actually extend this after the end of September. And the gov government didn't do that and that, I, you know, we're trying to understand why the government didn't do that. I suspect it's because they've changed their way of thinking to think, well, now we have to start let, letting companies go bust. We have to start letting them, um, you know, uh, sort of disappear if they're not, in, in inverted commas, viable. And that that yeah. seemed to be the tone in his speech. He was he was actually quite sharp when he talked about not saving jobs that were not viable, businesses that were not viable. And one of the things that worries me, you, you talk about debt, is how many small companies that have managed to get a loan or a grant have just funded their cash flow? Which is, uh, is a recipe yep. for disaster. Uh, it is, um, and I think I think just a lot of companies just simply decided to to take out the debt. They just decided that you know this was wanted it, it or if, not. If it's there, if it's there, it's it's on such attractive yeah. terms, two and a half percent over a very long period, which is now even longer. But but um, so I'm. I'm a bit less worried, actually, about that. I thought that was going to be a real problem, the repayment of that. that, that but what does worry me, though, are the banks, you know, because the banks are starting to feel the pressure um, in terms of their loans, their, their general loan book uh, going badly. And of course, they've got they still have the responsibility to to chase after people if they're not they're not paying back these these government backed loans. And I just wonder what their appetite appetite going forward is, you know, to keep lending keep keep the economy going um i actually thought well the, the city uk produced a very good proposal which was to take a lot of these government bank loans off the, the balance sheets of banks and actually have them managed by a uk recovery corporation which would be government backed um the government doesn't hasn't seemed to have gone for that at least not at the moment um but no i think the banks are going to be a key kind of pinch point going forward um, we're going to be talking to the City UK in a couple of weeks' time, so uh, we'll ask about that. Uh, Sam, Anthony, more pessimistic, more optimistic than the last time we talked to you three months ago? <laughs> I, uh, uh, <laughs> Sharp you intake of Go breath. ahead, Anthony. <laughs> um, I, I will sadly say touch more pessimistic. Based on yesterday's announcement mixed with the the announcement of the, the it, it's just very difficult to know how to survive going back to the same situation with the loans you're now at a position where if, there is nothing you, you know you just start thinking more about repayments more than even flourishing and you're just you're just trying to find different ways so you, you there is a hint of optimism but it's it's not as strong as it was in honesty on my end and i listen i'd, I'd agree i i was we, we We'd had a much stronger July and August than anticipated. The, the eat out scheme, I think most restaurants would agree, was a massive boost for us. Um, it was it was such a boost. We, I mean, I extended it into September, and it's because um, I felt I had no choice. And lots of restaurants have done the same. And it, this week's 
announcements just suddenly feels like we're just dropping off a cliff um and all that hard work you know sadly could could be for nothing um and, and again, I, I just think it's a, a avoidable, you know, it didn't have to be this blanket decision. Um, and I guess the real doom and, or pessimism is, is there a, a full lockdown coming over half term? Um, you know, do we all have to be prepared for that? Okay, so we're hoping that the Chancellor will come back with another statement and that it will give you something of what you've asked for, more incentives to keep on your staff, Sam, and uh, Anthony, some more targeted help for the events sector, amongst others. Uh, thank you very much indeed, both Sam Anthony, uh, for joining us. Uh, Roger, marks out of 10 for, the gov for Rish Rishi yesterday? Um, I would six and a half out of 10. <laughs> Could do better. Yeah. <laughs> could could do better. Okay. Well, hopefully we will see uh, Simon's forecast uh, announcements coming through. Simon, uh, Mickey, I'm feeling a bit well, down despondent. after that. <laughs> despondent. Yes, that's the word I was looking it's for. It's not all bad news, Liz, because uh, pets at home are reporting a huge surge in profits since the summer, with people taking their dogs to get groomed and vaccinations, which they held off from the first part of the year. And their valuations now above Marks and Spencer's in the stock exchange. So Everyone's uh, valuations <laughs> above Marks and Spencer's. So, but but, but I, I, I have to say there are people that are doing well in the recession. There's, there's and, always an opportunity and, in a recession. And the pets, this pet sector is one of those. Uh, well, where's Barney? Where's your Barney and Baxter? We've not had any dog barks no, today. Very quiet today. Extremely good today. <laughs> Extremely good today. Uh, well, I'm very disappointed. They're going to get biscuits for that. Oh, well, what I was assuming was that we might have a podcast that had a dog in every, every, every podcast. Yes, why not? Why not? Well, get Barney to bark, please. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but I think we better leave it there before yeah. this descends into complete farce. Chaos. <laughs> Chaos. Thanks ever so much uh, for listening in. Uh, obviously, if you'd like to comment on anything that you've heard or or please tell us how you're getting on. We, it's you we want to hear from about your business, your self-employed contracts. Then uh, email us, contact us at backinbusiness.org.uk. Find us on LinkedIn or Twitter at business underscore backin. Uh, just to remind you, we launched our first mental health and well-being podcast for business people and uh, self-employed people last week. It's on the site now. You can find it there at backinbusiness.org.uk uh, and it comes with a blog with a few tips on coping with some of the downsides of this pandemic we find ourselves in. Thank you to all our guests and join us for more topical business discussion next week. You should have been a presenter. <laughs>